0: Welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Scottish Cup finalists, and Midlothian Football Club. Maybe, maybe in a little over a month we could be adding a different title to that. Um, fingers crossed, but for now other things to talk about. Uh, I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again. By my colleague, um, my partner in crime—I don't know, I don't know what to call you these days—Mark um, Donaldson.
1: Just call me happy that we're we're through to the cup final, <laughs> because this would have been a hell of a show if we'd lost.
0: Oh, I tell you, it definitely would have got the explicit tag this week if Hearts had not prevailed against Inverness Cali Thistle, but they did, and we will talk about that, of course. Um, that is the main subject for this week's podcast, which is episode 30, 3 zero of Scarves In the Funnel. They've flown by, Mark.
1: I can't believe it. I, I, honestly, I, I saved, I think, the first 12 or 13, and then I realized well, I don't want to listen back to, uh, to what I'm <laughs> going to say. What you say is fine. Um, so I've, I've deleted a lot, but I've still obviously got seven or eight saved. So when I reach the end every week of the current episode... It then reverts back to one of the early ones so i 'm finding myself from October listening to things and it's been a journey it's been a roller coaster <laughs> and it's not over yet
0: you know it's not even from the start of the season either um, but it was things were going well when we started so maybe it was our fault um, that that things went off the rails. So we will speak about Heart of Midlothian against Inverness Caledonian Thistle in the Scottish Cup semi final. Um last week Mark spoke about your heart's dilemmas. That's when um other plans maybe looked to interfere with Hearts games or, or maybe you saw that Hearts games were interfering with other plans. Um, and your stories related to that, so we'll go through some of those. And finally, we'll look ahead to Hearts' next game, which comes up this weekend against Rangers. (laughs) So first up, Hampden Park. Hearts finally returned to the National Stadium after an absence of over six years. And it was a game that maybe fans were more nervous about than they should. And with all due respect to Enverness Callie, Thistle, who are making a very good fist of trying to get back up to the Premiership under John Robertson, usually Hearts against the Championship side should be a game that the Jambos feel confident about. But was it wasn't really set up that way, was it, Mark? No,
1: and Robbo was up to his tricks before the game. Quite rightly so, saying there was no pressure on them; it was all on hearts, as it was. And after the first half, I have to admit there were there were concerns. Um, but going into the game, I never felt I never felt that like we were going to lose the game. You know how sometimes you, you kind of go into a game, you just have a bad feeling. Mm-hmm. And I honestly don't know what gave me that optimism, because we had only seen positivity in in, in batches, just glimpses of it 45 against Aberdeen um but apart from that Hamilton away um the game against uh what was the the other game uh, Rangers at Ibrox was was horrible so there wasn't exactly many things that you could think well surely um hearts will be fine here but but I thought they would be but that might have changed at halftime when it was nil now
0: interestingly I don't know if you tracked this but i'd looked on the friday and hearts were around one to two which i actually thought was reasonably long i thought they'd be a little shorter than that given the given the fact that i thought people would be lumping money on hearts and the fact it was a top flight team against a second tier team so i thought that now, was, was that
1: was, was that to go through or was that over 90 minutes
0: that was over 90 minutes okay um okay. and i expected that to shorten before the game, but just before the game started, it was closing in on evens for Hearts to Honestly? win. Honestly? Yeah, it was... From, from one to two? About that, not about that figure, yeah. It, it wow. got very close to evens, so it suggested that a lot of people were were putting some money on Inverness. Um, which
1: well, a, one, a one to two shot normally equals a six to one away team um, with a draw maybe three to one. Mm-hmm. So that that's a fair bit of cash. too. I mean, I don't know what Cali Thistle went off. Uh, if Hearts went off nearly yeah. evens,
0: I can't actually remember. But it was just interesting because I'd had a quick look just right before the game had started, and I was quite surprised. But but anyway, I mean, I, I was similar to you. I, I went to Hampden Park, which um, was a very enjoyable. Just the the whole feeling of going to the National Stadium again for a big cup game. You know, we haven't yeah, had and ha- enough. And of how that. was
1: it? How was it from a commentary perspective? Because it was the first time you'd been to Hamden in a working capacity. How, how Did you enjoy it? Were you able to enjoy it? Were you nervous?
0: Um, I wasn't nervous, uh, but I did enjoy it. I got the 744 train from Musselburgh because there's a train that goes all the way to air, which means it'll take you direct to central. So it was actually very quiet. Um, most people who got on it who to the game actually got off in Glasgow, in Edinburgh to get a service to Queen Street, um, which was quicker. It was slightly quicker. It got into Queen Street about 25 minutes quicker than this one got to Central, but I figured to stay on the, the one that goes to Central where I'm going to be going from. So it was quite a relaxed journey. There was a couple of Hearts fans on it. Um, Davy Allen of London Hearts and the Hearts Museum. And just went straight over to Mount Florida. So I was there very early, which feels odd because, to be honest, most of the time I go to Hamden. I'm quite intoxicated, because it's usually a semi-final, or a final, and I'm usually going there as a fan.
1: I heard some of that commentary <laughs> at the weekend. Are you sure you weren't this week as well?
0: <laughs> no, Jimmy was, Jimmy was on it, not me. Um, <laughs> i tell you, later on, I, might, I, mean, I was on karaoke by the time I got to late...
1: 70. Yeah, and and you, and you missed your train back. So I you did. can talk about your seven forty-five uh, forty-four <laughs> from Musselburgh going there, uh, but uh, you were probably not going to talk about the train you were going to get back because you didn't get one and you spent ninety-six quid on an Uber. I know that because you sent me a drunken screenshot of how much you just paid Ahmed or Rahim or whoever um, was your was your Uber <laughs> driver.
0: I did. There it, you go. It was worth it. It was worth it. But uh, yeah, in, in terms of, I mean. I was disappointed I'd actually eaten a sandwich on the train to Mount Florida because got to Hampton and big massive open media area with cooked breakfast ready for you to serving you you know cooked sausage rolls and stuff as well. Didn't expect that. And I was up in the
1: rookie ap- mistakes on rookie mistakes. They, Walt- they feed you well. They feed you well in the the Jolly Roger media lounge <laughs> um, after uh, the legendary uh, Mr. Roger. Um, who, if you're, it would be those of a certain age, those 45 plus or 40 plus, that um, may remember Jim Roger. Um, Jim Roger was a larger than life, literally. He was huge. He was a larger than life, old school journalist who was had contacts for prime ministers, footballers, managers, everybody. They called him with stories. He didn't call, I mean, that. Some of the stories are incredible. So the, the press lounge is, is named after him. The reason that I brought that up is because first first ever time I was doing a Celtic presser with Tommy Burns, um, I was at uh, Scott FM at the time, and I didn't have a clue, so I just got there early and sat in with what I thought was the right people. But it was the journalists, the written guys, not the broadcast guys. So Tommy Burns was halfway through his first answer, and Jim brought just like, Stop, Tommy. Tommy, hold on, son. Tommy. You boy!" I was like, <laughs> he looked at me, I was like, "What? <laughs> you! Who are you? So I told him in my high-pitched balls yet to drop voice, um, I'm Mark Donaldson from Scott FM, sir. And he's like, well piss off, cause this isn't for the radio. And uh, I never got to <laughs> never got to know him and, and Tommy Burns later apologised. he like, said don't, don't worry about him um, when he went on to do the radio guys. But in, in all, I mean, I, I didn't know him well. I only did a few press conferences with him. Never sat in with the written guys again. But he was a larger-than-life character, and that is who the media lounge at Hamden Park is named after.
0: That's a good story. That's a very good story. Um, in terms of where I was positioned, it was on the actual media the the gantry um which i guess is where i could mean i could see the likes of liam mcleod and everyone so the view was superb i posted it on i posted it on social media as well so i had a terrific view which i've never had at hamden park before um literally i've I've never had a even half decent view at hamden park (laughs) so it was interesting to be able to see the whole pitch really clearly and everywhere um so I enjoyed it. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed the experience from start to finish. Um, Obviously not the first half so much, but in terms of the team, Mark, I mean, we should probably talk about that as well.
1: Oh, yeah, there's
0: um, a game. Uh, you wanted the same team who played against Hebs and obviously had lost the game eventually. Um, only minor change to that team, uh, which was that Aidan Keener was brought in um, at a stadium he knows very well, having played for Queen's Park last season uh, to give Uche Ikpiezu a strike partner at times. Kind of, kind t- of, yeah. At times. Um, did Craig Levine get the team right, do you think?
1: Well, the bottom line is that Sean Clare didn't train all week. Uh, well, he, tra- he trained part of the week. He didn't train for the full week and was deemed not not fit enough, from what I understand, having listened to the, the BBC coverage um, on Sports Scene on, on Saturday. Um, by all accounts, Sean Clare wasn't 100%. So that was that was why that decision was made. Otherwise, I think we would have got our wish mm-hmm. had Sean Clare, uh, Clare been fit to, to start. Because there's no doubt. I mean, Craig Levine loves him. And if Clare, Clare was fit enough, Clare would have started. He was only fit enough for a place in the bench. So yeah, pretty much the the, the the team that we asked for, um, minus the injury.
0: The first half, now it did have that feeling that we've had a few too many times a season, mainly in home games against sides that were expected to break down and can't. It was a little bit too pedestrian. It just didn't get going. And as as well organised as I thought Inverness were, um, Rob would clearly do his homework and tried to catch us a couple of times as well. Um, at the same time, it just had that feeling it's like we're we're just not getting out of second gear here.
1: Yeah, but but this is why I want to take it forward now. I want to take it forward to the second half. Mm-hmm. Bearing in mind what you've just said, what changed, in your opinion, in the second half? And what changed in that we can now... Ah, that's how you break down teams that have men behind the ball. Uh, now, it's probably too little, too late for this season because we're not going to have that anymore. Uh, obviously, it's going to be the other five in the top six who are not going to um, kind of sit and and kind of sit in and it's going to be Celtic in the cup final. So we're, we're not going to have that this season again, um, but why did it take until the final 45 minutes of playing against a so-called lesser side, as far as the position of the table is concerned, for us to finally work out? What happened?
0: I don't know. I, 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 I didn't see anything massive in a tactical sense change. I thought the impetus was just a little bit more purpose about was looking forward rather than side-to-side side, side and backwards, like looking for the opportunity to have a shot, looking for a through ball. So I don't know if it was a case of Craig Levine and Austin McPhee read the riot act and just said, look, too many sideways passes, you're making it too easy for them to defend. I um, don't think
1: they did. Judging on what the players said at full time um, to, to Jane Lewis on the BBC, it didn't sound like a riot act was, no. was read. Um, I just... I don't know the answer, and that's that's why maybe you have an idea, or any of the listeners I, have an idea.
0: Maybe they do. I, I would, uh, f- from my point of view, we just look to be a bit more direct. I mean, even like the Ollie Lee shot right at the start of it, basically set the tone. You know, we'd been that was the closest we'd come to a goal the entire game, and it was within well, it was like thirty seconds of the, the second half starting, and it was just a it was a oh, pretty much forty yards out. He tried a, he tried his luck, and as much as I think Ollie Lee sometimes slows. The game down a little too much and doesn't look for a, a kind of a penetrative pass. One thing he does have is a terrific shot on him, and he can hit them. He can hit them from range.
1: With that, I think you have maybe hit the nail on the head, in that we've spoken on many occasions about ten, fifteen passes too many. Mm-hmm. Trying to play our way round teams, but not with pace. Slow passes. Not enough uh, players offering their services, and just three four passes when one or two would have been sufficient and that for me set the tone the only lead chance and then we had another one soon after that as well um I just I don't know if, if Craig Levine said something to give the players belief um just keep it simple do what you're good at I mean in the first half, we couldn't find a way around them. We had chances, but mm. we've, we've seen that movie many times before this season against many, Livingston, yeah. St Mirren, Dundee, uh, Cali Thistle. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the way that we we started the second half before we even scored the goal, kind of, I thought to myself, that's yeah, that that's more, far more positive. And then when you start a second half like that, and you're on the front foot, it's important to take advantage and for us to score four minutes after the restart, because you know what's going to happen, if, if that goes nil-nil after an hour, 75 minutes, the noise from the stand is not going to be that of celebrating, it's going to be that of nerves and maybe jeers and whistles mm-hmm. if, if the frustration um, gets the better of them, so it was the perfect start to the second half and the perfect time to get the goal. There's no point in looking back and saying, I wish, we'd, I wish we'd done that. I wish we'd be more direct in games. We have to learn from that going forward because when we play teams that we're expected to beat, we've struggled too often. And if it takes that second half for them to finally work out and realise that's how you do it, then fine. Then great. We've got to learn from it, though.
0: Boo! 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 Mack! One sound that was ringing out around Hamden just a few minutes before Hearts did get the lead about 15 minutes, 20 minutes before was at the halftime whistle. I'm just going to mention it briefly. I'm not been one to, to, to like booing at the best of times, but I understand it quite often. You know, when you've, I've had, you've been at Tank Castle and you're behind to a team who are struggling and the Hearts have just been poor from start to finish and I can understand, it. and I can I, I can understand even more at the end of a game if Hearts have been overall poor, they've had a terrible result. You know, Hearts away to Livingston, the, the, they were getting dogs abuse, and I said to to Jimmy who hates booing, but even he said that night they, they've got to have to, they've got to take that they, they they deserve the stick they're getting from the stands. But in a Scottish Cup semi final against a well organised Inverness team in a half that. It wasn't like Hearts were playing terribly; they just hadn't got going. It was it was a, a game that hadn't got going. I, I, what? When did it? When did it become such a common thing for Hearts fans to boo their team at the in a game? Like that? I I it just took me back a bit. I was like, is that booze ringing out around us? I mean, it's nil nil in a semi final.
1: Yeah, but who was it against?
0: It was against Simonis. I get that. I
1: know. I that. I, no, I, yeah, and I think it's a culmination. Of, of the past few weeks and maybe a few months. There's just a, there's been an underlying frustration there. Uh, the way that we've played for, I don't know, 80% of those games. And I, I just think it was like a, come on, it's, it's Inverness. You're expected to beat them. You're not. And look, the, just because Hearts are expected to beat them, you've got to go and earn that win as well. And it, I don't mm. think it was for the want of trying. Um, but, I was thinking a lot about this podcast and where we're going to go with it, how we're going to approach it with regards specifically to the manager, the head coach, Craig Levine. And we'll get into that as the as the, the show goes on. Um, but what I do think, I mean, I, I, I don't know what he was thinking prior to the game. If, if, if Hart's lost, I mean, he wouldn't want to publicly admit that he was thinking if Hart's lost, what could be the, the outcome um, for, for him personally. But he had to be thinking privately, look, like. I'm not sure if there's a way back, or he might have thought, well, I'm stubborn, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep the job. I, I, I don't know. The only person that can answer that, and he wouldn't, because he wouldn't say it in public, is, is Craig Levine. So we can only surmise. However, what he was able to do, and I don't know how he did it at half time, but whatever he did, it worked. Now, if that's 45 minutes to save your job, or 45 minutes for the players to save your job, which we don't know if it was or, or not, um, they got a reaction. They really got a reaction. And the, there's an element here, obviously doing Serie A over here for the US audience on ESPN. I've, I've, seen, I've seen this with, with AC Milan um, this season. And, and the players are really playing for um, Rino Gattuso. Really playing. They, they love having him as a coach. Is he the best option for Milan? Probably not. I don't think he is. But he's got the players playing for him. And and there's a lot to be said for that. And I think it's the same with with Craig Levine as well. He certainly doesn't have to worry about the players not playing for him. Certainly the ones that that he's picking right now. Is he the best man for the job? Well, maybe not. If not, then who is? Again, that's another argument. So he, he, he got a tune out of those players in the second half. And that's all we can ask, because by God, we would have been down his throat on this show had he not, and had Hearts have lost that game.
0: But they didn't lose it; they won it. Nope. So they did. And we will so move where
1: on. Does it, where, do you want to approach this? I want to ask you the question: Where does that leave him?
0: In terms of right now, right this, right this moment.
1: Yeah, and it's a question you can answer now, or, or if it's if it's, it's a better suited. Um, question for later in the show when we're embarking on that, then, then feel free to, to hold off. What do you think?
0: I mean, well, quickly, I mean, we'll go through. So in the second half, I mean, I think some keep, we're not going to analyse everything, but before we talk about that as was useful, I mean, I thought Jake Mulraney was key to Hearts. Um,
1: at, at times, unplayable with, with the pay. Now, he was up against Rooney at right back. And especially after Rooney got booked, um, but even in the first half, I thought he was—I thought he was the pick of Hearts players there was in, that...
0: in, in the first half. <laughs> there was that moment where the ball, a hopeful ball, got fired out in the corner, and I didn't even think he would chase it down. And Rooney kind of started to slow down, like oh, he got the foul. Yeah, he started to slow down, thinking this is just going to roll out of play, easy throw. And suddenly, Jake Moroney just put on the afterburners and ran around him. And... Now, was that
1: because it was against his old club? Um, Or was that because it was a a stage that that he was playing at that he hasn't had too many opportunities? Or, and as Craig Levine pointed out, I can't remember if it was pre-match or or post-match, that is a hell of a a, a wider pitch Mm -hmm. than these Hearts players are used to. And he had a lot more room. So it was a fantastic performance from a player who maybe just needs um, game time wingers are always inconsistent hmm. you find me a consistent winger and I'll, I'll, I'll show you a liar you don't get them, you get better ones than others but he should, but how easy is it to replicate that performance back at Tynecastle when you probably got about 8-9 yards less width wise of a pitch, hmm. I just thought he had so much more green grass to play in and I thought he was outstanding, I really did
0: He was. He did really well to set up the goal for Uche, which obviously opened the scoring and I guess settled some nerves. Um, John Suter made it too. Really pleased for for Suter, only his second Hearts goal. He clearly enjoyed it. Um, Actually, a very poor corner from Oli Lee, ironically, which was just um, very poorly defended by Inverness, but they made the most of it.
1: Another set-piece goal. Yeah, yeah. The the first two goals were set-piece goals. and Everyone else knows that's Hearts strength. Robbo knows it's Hearts strength. Sometimes with if the delivery is good, I mean there was times where Uchi was unplayable. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about because he was absolutely out of this world, just because he was so strong and the def- he, he, he bulldozed his way through three defenders at one stage, and left a a, a trail of blue and red misery behind him as, <laughs> as there were bodies all over the place. I mean it was like a scene from Game of Thrones as he battered his way through. <laughs> but then, but the There were still issues with that because at times he he did make the wrong decision. And that's why we're talking about this element of of, of a raw player, really raw player, who has certainly got a lot of really good attributes and could be could be molded into a right asset to to the football club. But it's awareness as well. I think there was one, it might have been in the first half where you went uh, for a low shot. yeah, 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 correct. That was it. That's just awareness. And it's funny because um, I don't know if you follow Uche on Instagram, uh, but he's he's, he's a good follow because he he posts a lot of good stuff, fun stuff. And he's pretty self-deprecating as well. And he seems like a a lovely, lovely lad who really appreciates um, the the chance that he's been given. So he he put a picture after training today of of him. And uh, honestly, there were muscles on top of muscles. It was like Desperate Dan um, (laughs) all those years ago in, in, in the comic. And the the hashtag was simply Uche Power. and he had this this powerful kind of look, but a face that was tripping. I'm like really ready to go with all this power. And there was there, there was a reply from Ollie Lee. He goes, "That's the same face I had when you keep not passing to me." <laughs> and 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 that's it. That it's just does the good part, and you could argue the hard part by getting by three and leaving leaving a trail, but then. He's so desperate for goals. There comes a time, though, where you, you've got to have awareness of what's around you. And if someone's in a better place, even though you're a striker, pass the ball to him.
0: I think it's um, quite a good point you're making there. We I was speaking about it. and mentioned to a couple of people after the game as well that I understand the signings and what Craig Levine is trying to do with the likes of Ike I think Ike and Mulraney are really good examples because what he's got is players with... Some very obvious strengths, but some very obvious flaws as well. But if you if you get someone, if you get an all rounder who's kind of average, will do okay. It can be very hard to, I guess, maybe create a fantastic player for that. Obviously, it does happen. But I think if you find someone like Uche Piezu who is just so powerful, so big, he takes the ball in so well, and he causes so many problems. But he's got a real obvious problem with his final ball and his finishing and his heading. But, if you feel like you can work on those and develop them, suddenly you can create, if you can create even an average finisher, you know, at at the level he's at, then suddenly because of his sheer strength and power, then overall you've got a very, very valuable player. And the same with Mulraney, he's obviously clearly so quick and direct, but again, his final ball lacking, maybe the overall awareness and technical ability isn't quite there, but if you could just work on those things and add that to his pace and his his directness, then suddenly again you've got a very good player. So I th- I think that's Craig Levine's um, thoughts behind that. I don't I don't think you know Moneyball is something a lot of people throw out there when try and relate it to football. You know the old baseball um, approach with finding different people with different attributes in different areas, but not necessarily quality in, the, in their own right, but you know, by complementing each other, it works very well. Doesn't really work in football to that extent. But I can, do, do you know what I'm saying? It's got that little feel yes. of that that you're finding p- players with very specific qualities, and you can work on their their deficiencies and hopefully develop them like that. But you can see why Mourinho and Uche Piezu could be very effective.
1: So, so here here's the story. I'm going to take you back nearly 17 years,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and Dordrecht. <laughs> were a, a, a struggling Dutch first division side and they had a, a decent striker who was tall and powerful but had flaws called Mark de Vries. And Craig Levine and his scouting network had identified him as someone that they could maybe get and work with uh, and then sell him on. And they bought him for Hearts. Um, Derby debut, four goals, um, a hero among Hearts fans and... Then moved on to to Leicester City. Uh, very very similar. Door Direct now read Cambridge United. Um, yeah, that's where we got Uche from, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, and 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 he'll he'll be uh, attracting glimpses um, from from others. Glimpses. Glimp- is that a word? So you know when you say a word that you you probably is a word but it doesn't sound glimpses. <laughs> is that a word? It is.
0: It is. I'm to... I, I believe so. I think so.
1: Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Whatever. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know what level he's capable of. I think he. I think right now Hearts is probably his level, because I don't think he's. I don't think he's good enough to play for a better team than Hearts because he's still got flaws. Mm-hmm. But you know what? He's so desperate to improve. He'll put the hard yards in. He'll do the extra hours in the gym. I love that about him. He's he just. Remember we were talking a few weeks ago about Hearts fans being Hearts players and obviously none of us can because that's not our vocation. But we see someone like Uche who's come to the football club having, as I said a few months ago, probably never heard of where Hearts even played the football. But he epitomises everything that Hearts fans would be if they pulled on a maroon jersey. Um, and, and that's, that's why we, we, we love him. But he's, he's someone like Mark DeVries who... Is the perfect Craig Levine-type player because I would trust Craig Levine to make, um, like he did with De Vries, I'd trust him to make uh, Pies better. And by the way, um, one of the first people that he ran to um, at full time after the final whistle was John Daly. And that, that told me a lot. I think, I think John and Uche are working hard together because John was, I think he was a more mobile player. I don't think he was as strong as Uche, but similar types and the, 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 the big kind of battering ram. Um, that Craig Levine has certainly when he was at Dundee United and uh, John's obviously worked for them and I think I think his role in, in proceedings as far as Uche becoming
0: a better player can't be underestimated I've just, just got images of John Daly doing these kind of American football drills you know they just basically get them to ram into the big cushioned thing that they, I don't I don't know what they call it, I'm not a, an American football fan.
1: A momentary um, or partial view, plural noun glimpses. <laughs> <olympics. laughs> There you okay.
0: go. Well I'm I just glad I doubted myself. glad we cleared that up. Um yeah. Yeah. Sean Clare obviously wrapped things up with a coolly taken penalty. But the the one other thing I wanted to mention was an honorable mention for a certain player whose um very key contribution um was important for Hearts to get the victory, and that was Bobby's Lamal. What a save. Oh uh
1: uh-huh. Um Tony Brown Anthony Brown who writes for the evening news. Um He's a few years younger than me. We used to go on the same bus over Cook Hearts. He made a tweet, he put a tweet out. And I kind of thought... It was a bit like something Craig Fowler said on The Terrace, a view from The Terrace on BBC Scotland channel that I mentioned last week. His tweet was along the lines of, since he made the errors and was dropped and then came back, he's not put a foot wrong or he's, he's not done anything wrong, Zlamal. And I'm I'm one of these people who... I know I've said that we need new goalkeepers for next season. However, I'm not akin to admitting I was wrong. And I, This is the whole Sean Clare argument with Whitburn Hearts and everything like that. There's got to be a bit of give and take. Now, should Bobby's Lamal be our number one choice next season? Well, right now, no, because I'd want competition for him, not from Colin Doyle. I think we need a new goalkeeper, and then we decide after pre-season who starts the season, whether it's Bobby's Lamal or new goalkeeper. But Tony's right. He's absolutely spot on. Can you recall a blunder, not a mistake because we all make mistakes, but a really bad blunder that Bobby's Lamal has made since he came back into the team?
0: No. No, I think no, he's been no, pretty no. solid and he's he's a, he's a good shot stopper generally as well. So, um no. I, I think that's a fair point. Was,
1: yeah, I thought it was a fair point as well and um as I say he he might be our best choice next season but I'm not. I'm not a Colin Doyle fan. I, I, that, that's that's not going to happen. But but Bobby's Lamal, credit where credit's due. Um, he, he took it on the chin when he was dropped. He deserved to be dropped. But when he's yes, got his place yeah. back, he's 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 been outstanding. And and it was a it was a stunning save. It really was.
0: Both goalkeepers are contracted to Hearts beyond the summer. So. No, it's fine. It could be difficult from a financial point of view if no club is interested, because you might be end up in a situation where you'd have to pay off someone. No, sort. you're not paying
1: off. Right, like right now, signing a goalkeeper would not be my uh, wouldn't be in my top kind of two or three as far as positional additions are concerned.
0: We've had lots of concerns and lots of gripes um, over the last weeks and months. Um, it doesn't come down to the goalkeeper constantly gifting the other team goals. It's happened a couple of times, but it's far from our biggest issues, is it? So it's not no. it's not top of the list. So overall, so Hearts 3, Inverness 0, um Lovely moment at the end, I thought, with Craig Levine and um, John Robertson. Nice little embrace, nice little kiss on the head for the, with the wee man, two players who played together for obviously many years. Uh, at heart. Um overall feeling from the game you asked what does it mean for Craig Levine I think I said before the semi-final um, I think he had to win that game I think if he didn't win that game I think that would really be the end um, whether it happened or not or whether he would do it himself or whether he would be pushed I don't know but but I think he had to win that game and he did Um I think he has to get to the end of the season, obviously. There's no point. It would make no sense going into a cup final. Um, We've got five league games in the cup final. It would make no sense to make any changes. So, for me, it doesn't change much. I think he had to win it. I'm glad we did. I'm glad we did it with a little bit of room to spare in the end, in the second half. Um, The next five league games are interesting because if we lose them all and win the cup, no one really gives two hoots. If we lose them all and convincingly lose the cup final, it gets a bit tricky then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I I think these next five games are really important now. I think you can use them as a a temptress to say to your players, hey, you want to be involved in the cup final? Now's your chance. Um, Which would hopefully mean that those who maybe don't get picked at the beginning, when they get their opportunity which I'm sure they will, apart from the last game of the season against Celtic um, of the Premier League campaign, well, that'll be the under-16s against the under-14s because no one's giving anything away in that game. Um, So so good luck with that. I've done a few of those last game of the season at Celtic Park (laughs) when they're about to get the trophy and you just feel like unwanted guests. You've got no interest in the game. Neither team will have any interest in the game that day because they don't want to show or give anything away. Ahead of the cup final, so in the games before that, I think it's I think they're they're important games. There's a derby in there at Easter Road. You're playing all the teams around you. Um, and and finishing sixth is not. I mean, Craig Levine and Michael Stewart. We know they don't get on. And Michael Stewart had a, a bit of a go on BBC Sports Sound last night. Um, and some of the stuff he had to say, I thought was a wee bit OTT. Other stuff, I thought, well, I can't really argue. With that, and he's, he's, he's gone down the old road again of, um, well, Craig Levine's got to win the Cup, otherwise it's a dreadful season. If he finishes sixth, he's not given youth a chance, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Craig Levine, by winning the Cup, can silence all these doubters. If he doesn't win the Cup, I wonder if these next five games will have any bearing on what happens come next season. I just have a feeling, I have a feeling that by getting to the cup final, as far as Anne Budge is concerned, that'll do for Craig Levine to remain as Hearts boss next season. I might be wrong. I, I don't know. I'm just, it's, I'm just surmising. Michael Stewart's come out with the, yeah, but look at the run that Hearts have had to get to the cup final. Everybody would expect a team like Hearts to have beaten the sides that they've beaten. Um, there's an element of Michael Stewart being pissed off at only winning 5 million on the lottery when he wished he won 10, but hey ho, that's just, um, um, but do you know what? It makes good radio because if that's what he thinks, he's not frightened to give an opinion. I've got no problem with with, with his opinions. Um, full stop. I might not agree with them, but he clearly has a bee in his bonnet. And okay, Craig Levine came out and said pound for pound, he's the he's the worst signing I ever made. Hey, I'd be <laughs> I'd be firing back as well. I'm not sure I'd keep it going as long as as Michael Stewart has. But certain certain things now are interesting because. I'm not sure if I've changed my mind. And if I don't know, how's anyone else meant to know? Because I picked a song when we were looking at songs to kind of sum up heart season so far a few weeks ago, I picked a song called Patience by Take That. And I stick with that song because I said back then, and I'll say it now, no decisions will be made, or in my opinion can be made about next season until we know what this season has in store as far as, The Cup Final is the most important game, but I think the next five games, Laurie, are important as well, because I've said to you that I thought Craig Levine did well to get a response from his players at half time. Now I want to see the response he's going to get from his players. We cannot go... There's a 15% chance, I think, that we win the Cup, right? Now, that's not going to deviate too much, but we cannot go into the Cup Final having lost these last five games. We cannot. It would make... It's so much harder. We have to take some sort of momentum in. That might give us a 20% chance instead of a 15% chance. It's still doable. However, we cannot lose these next five or maybe take a couple of points from from the next five because you need something to go into the cup final with.
0: Before we get on to more football matters, uh, well, on the pitch matters, I should say. Um, we are going to talk about hearts dilemmas, which Mark brought up last week. And this is your dilemmas when it comes to big games. Getting to the match and you've got something else planned, whether it's you're going to someone's wedding or it's a holiday or you've just got a shift at work that you can't change. So Mark has a dilemma, uh, which... I don't think it's a dilemma that's going in the right direction at the moment, is it? Which is, of course, about the um, upcoming Cup final.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, work, 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 work. Final weekend of the Serie A season and I'm not sure I'm going to get out of it. So right now it's not looking good. I'm, I remain hopeful of getting over. Um, and it's not a case of, well, just, just say you can't do it. They, they don't really have an alternative um, because everyone else is busy that weekend and whatever. Anyway, anyway, um, I'd love to be there. I'd love to be there. But I don't know right now. So I, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. But I have enjoyed over the last seven days or so um, hearing some of the stories about dilemmas that our listeners have, have had because there's been, there's been some right good ones.
0: Vicky McEwen says, last year we planned our secret wedding around the Scottish Cup final, just in case either Edinburgh teams were playing. We got married on the 12th of May, when originally we'd picked the 19th. And it is ridiculous if people book weddings on on, on you know football weekends anyway, but let alone a Cup final weekend. And I know um a couple of people who got married and they deliberately scheduled it on international weekend even like a year <laughs> and a half in advance and that's just that's just sensible that's just good planning um angela ballantyne says my friend and i went to bordeaux with her parents her mum pulled a sickie to go my friend called her mum's work to say she was ill from edinburgh airport she just <laughs> hung up when the unattended baggage announcement went out over the tannoy." <laughs> hashtag close one um that is a close one and I wonder if anyone has ever been caught. I wish I could remember the story but I remember someone telling me about an occasion um of someone being busted because it was a TV game and they went to the football when they were meant to be <laughs> unwell and uh, <laughs> caught on on camera. That would be that would be an amusing but also um embarrassing way to get busted that you were pulling a fast one. Um Stuart Moore hasn't had much luck. He says, "1996, Miss Cousin's wedding, not popular. Uh, 1998, Miss Wife's best friend's wedding, not popular. 2006, Missed final to attend best friend's wedding. Um, 2012, no drama, but 2019, Wife's parents' diamond wedding celebrations. Oh dear, I'm going to be unpopular again." That seems <laughs> seems fair enough. I mean, people should schedule things on on big big dates like that. It just makes no sense. Um, Come on,
1: weddings are kind of (laughs) scheduled a little bit further in advance than the fixture list, are they not?
0: Yeah, well, they shouldn't do it around that time, is what I mean. That's just silly. Get
1: married in the summer, and then you miss the Intertotal Cup
0: game. Exactly. Um, Whitebeard, who is Stuart White on Twitter, says, my long-term partner of 10 years plus, uh, her brother gets married on May the 25th, 2019. See, that's just... Just selfish you can't expect people to go to weddings when you schedule it like that um (laughs) robert smith says i get back from tenerife at 2 a.m on the 25th a few hours sleep and then on to hamden we go have you had any where you've you've had to schedule and it's 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 like that you're getting a ridiculous time straight to the football
1: yeah um i was in dubai uh with a friend of mine on, on holiday and um we came back, we watched Scotland-Netherlands. Remember the playoff game in 2003 Yes. Um, it that we good, won at Hamden? Oh, it, it was a good one. Good we, missed a good, we missed a good one, but we were booked to go to Amsterdam. So we flew back, we, we, we were always gonna go to Amsterdam, um, but the Dubai trip, we arrived back in the morning and then flew out to Amsterdam in the afternoon. Um, yeah, wish I'd stayed another couple of days in Dubai. We got horsed. <laughs> that was that was funny. We were we were the boys from uh, that I went to school with in, in Pennycoop. We went to a few of the games. Um, went to the San Siro. I think it was Walter Smith's first game in charge at least Scotland. Uh, so we did a few. Um, those kilts would have walked home themselves. They were minging right. We we had fun in Amsterdam. I'm not going to elaborate. Uh, we also had fun in Prague again. I'm not going to elaborate, especially something that has to do with a sex park, but we're not we're, we're not going there oh you've and told me about we...
0: this place before
1: huh? oh I have and i ain't telling you on air I just don't involve <laughs> please don't involve the word sex and park in the title of of this um particular podcast but anyway, amsterdam um, there was nine of us in a, a room with two single beds um, there was just bodies everywhere bodies and we went to the game and Um, we were all absolutely smashed and there was ticker tape um, which hadn't been cleared up from the Ajax game at the weekend Um, and my my pal of mine, I'll I'll not say his name, (laughs) from from Pennycook Scott Montgomery was absolutely smashed and decided to to not use the the toilet but just (laughs) piss where he was standing which was the front row of the top tier so he pissed on his ticker tape and was just really loud and boys. This was before the game. We were in early um, just to make some some noise, as Scotland fans do. And he chucked it down to the boys below and they were all, yeah, brilliant. They didn't know that they had uh, they had piss-covered streamers all over their themselves. They just thought it was wet because I think it had been raining that day. Uh, honestly, just so many stories. That's one or two I can tell you. Oh, you ain't getting the rest. Not on here. <laughs> Um, no
0: no, no, no. Uh, more more innocently um uh, colin marshall's wedding anniversary is the 25th of may so sorry mrs marshall you'll have to postpone your plans with that one
1: maybe, maybe um, mrs marshall's a, a big jambo as well maybe and, and maybe, maybe they want to spend their their anniversary at, at, at hamden um she might be a bigger Hearts fan than her husband
0: th- this is very true so hopefully See? she will enjoy her day out at hamden Vic Weddell says, um, 1990 wife was expecting, um, no one had tickets for Derby Easter road, told her I had a pager and it would be okay. As she was in the Eastern, which, um, is the old, must be the old Eastern hospital, uh, Eastern general, yeah. Eastern general. We won two one, but she held on for two weeks. Um, <laughs> well, there you go. He had a pager, so it's good planning. Well done. Um, David Allen, uh, who runs the London Hearts website, says the 93 Scottish Cup final would have been a dilemma. The day before the semi-final we won a trip to see Nigel Mansell in the Indy 500. The prize was part of Radio 5's live launch celebrations. Needless to say, Hearts lost to Rangers at Celtic Park, put paid to any choice. Malk has got a story, and he's actually got a very impressive record off the back of this. He says was on holiday in Nice, with my soon-to-be-wife fixtures out after it had been planned. Looked like missing a derby. Couldn't do it. Flew home a week early to witness Mark DeVries score four. Imagine if, I, if I'd if i missed it. Still not missed a derby. Um, home or away since 1983. That's incredible. That, I, I mean, 1983.
1: You'd think there was at least one thing that would have come up. Yeah. I think that's over 150 derbies that well, would have put that in jeopardy. Be, that, that's phenomenal.
0: So many seasons there will been at least four a season.
1: Yeah. Obviously not
0: every year because they wouldn't have always been the same division. Sure. There.
1: And they were down and we were down and, and yeah, that's that's well, incredible. Definitely um, in
0: three figures. That's that is. If anyone can beat a kind of a, a run, a committed run, like going to Hearts games or going to, uh, you know, I don't know, but I mean, obviously going to Derby, something like that, going to a, a fixture that long, I can't. Yeah. That's 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 impressive. Could, well done, Mal. You, well done. Well done, sir. <laughs> Finally, on the hard dilemmas, Mark Wells says he's just realised that the Pro 14 um, rugby is... Uh, the final is on at Celtic Park. The Scottish Cup final is on at Hamden. This is all on the 25th of May. And his drive to Disney- Disneyland Paris is happening the same day as well. Whose planning is worse? Police Scotland will be pulling their hair out again. I, I hadn't realised... Is is the Pro 14 final... Is that... A lot of people go to that? I I don't know yeah, that'll we're...
1: be a full house. That'll be a full house. That'll be a
0: full house.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh. that—that is—is that the 25th of May then?
1: That's. Mm, put it this way, Celtic Park and Handon Park are not too far away. Pro 14 final 2019 takes place Saturday, May 25th, at Celtic Park in Glasgow. Oh joy! That oh. is uh, great timing.
0: What time is the kick off?
1: I don't know. Uh it doesn't say here. I'm sure I'll find it, but uh, wow. Yeah, because it's probably going to be like 5.30 or something like that. I
0: oh, don't this, know. It's even the, worse?
1: Yeah, so there you go. Um, it depends who's in the final. Um, maybe they've already agreed um, who's, who starts, but I think okay. if you were to just to if you were to cut maybe the last five minutes out of the show, I don't think anybody would miss this ramblings. <laughs> there you go. Kick off time. Uh, no idea. There you go.
0: Okay, we'll figure it out. Anyway, moving on. Before we go, we have taken up um, enough enough time rambling this week already. Um, so we will talk very briefly about Heart of Midlothian against Rangers, which comes up in the Scottish Premiership this Saturday lunchtime. Another nice early kick-off for the Jambos. Um, And with 15 points to play for, Hearts are now eight behind Killey and Aberdeen. So it kind of looks, Mark, like a European place through the league is out of our reach, would I say, or am I being pessimistic? You're
1: being pessimistic. I think it is, but I think there's there's hope. If we can't get ourselves up for these last five games of the season with a Scottish Cup final... Uh, and places up for grabs, then what's the point? I think the, the players oh, have I mean, to do I mean, it. Yeah. No, I know what you're saying. I think there's I'm a not saying there's nothing to
0: play for, for at all, but I mean just no. those those third and uh, fourth places look. A
1: yeah, bit... they they do. They they do. Let, let me kind of turn that question around a little bit mm-hmm. and ask you, in your opinion, how many of Craig Levine's starting eleven right now do you think he has in his head? Assuming that Stephen Naismith is one of those and he's available for selection. How many do you think um, he has in his head? And more importantly, how many spots do you think are up for grabs?
0: I think at least seven, possibly. No, in fact, I think eight of his 11 he'll have in his head right now.
1: Which positions do you think he might be still not dithering around, but still not hundred percent sure okay. about.
0: Okay, I assume we play a back four, left back, because Burns has done well, but he's only just come into the team. Um, so I think left back is one. I it depends how we play the midfield. I think Haring and Doom, if they're fit, have to play. I think the other midfielder in there. So if it's a four, um, the the wide or the the not-so-wide player. You know how we often play that lopsided, so he's been having Mulraney on the left and not really a wide player on the right. That position, which has been... It was Lee against Inverness. I think that position's still up for for grabs. Um, And I think one more position, possibly, which depends how we play. It could be a supporting role to the striker. It could be someone playing, again, um, I suppose, wide. But I think... In my head, I'm thinking Slamal Smith, Suter, Bera, Haring, Doom, Ike Nay Naismith. If they're all fit, I can't see him not playing them.
1: Did you say Claire?
0: I haven't included Claire.
1: Hmm, why but, not?
0: That's, but that's a good point. That's a good point. If
1: Claire's fit, he plays him because Levine loves him. And I'd play him as well. I don't think there's... Ma- uh, yeah, I don't think there's many spots up for grabs.
0: No, I don't but think so.
1: You're, you're, not, you're not telling the players that. You can imagine them walking into the chain doing them prior to the Rangers game. Right, there's eight of you. You're guaranteed to play in the cup final. There's three spots up for grabs. <laughs> that, that ain't going to happen. No, going I mean- happen. I, I just want to see something, Laurie. I want to see something from the Rangers game because I was... Uh, I probably... Both of us probably said the same prior to the game at Ibrox. We've got to make Tyne Castle count. And it's, it's not very often from a Hearts fan's point of view that mid to late April through to mid to late May, we've still got something to play for. Some seasons it's European sports, but the last time we had an end of season where Hearts were going to be involved in the, the showpiece game was 2012. Prior to that it was 2006. Prior to that it was 1998. Prior to that, it was 96. It doesn't come about very often. Now, I haven't yet, and this is something I'll do uh, as the podcast reach the end of the season, is kind of look back at the form that Hearts have shown prior to a Scottish Cup final and then the subsequent outcome of that Scottish Cup final. I think that would be interesting because I think to have the carrot of that at the end of the season is, is huge. We can't underplay that, but we need a reaction. And we need we need more of, of what we've had on fewer occasions because Rangers wasn't good enough. There's got to be a complete turnaround of that. Um, the first half against Inverness phew, wasn't the best. The first half against Aberdeen wasn't the best. Uh, the game against Hamilton was just rubbish. So we've got to show now, we've got to take some momentum into this cup final because if we don't, then our odds go down even more.
0: And Hearts are just two points behind Hibs according into this game. Hibs with a game against Celtic at the weekend. And we've lost six in a row against Rangers, but only one of those were at Tyncastle, Mark. And that was in December uh-huh. when Hearts were on that run and they actually ended their scoring drought in that match. And they played very well the first half, not so much the second. But even then, you look at the team that day, Smith was at centre-back, which I think he was decent at, but you prefer him at right-back. So Goudini was at right-back, Mitchell was at left-back. Cochrane actually started that game. And Stephen McLean was up front on his own, so Timecastle against Rangers with Ucheg Pezu playing, that's a whole different ballgame for Stephen Gerrard's side to contend with. I'm i am quite interested to see how they deal with us.
1: I thought we did all right in that game. Uh, and they got the win. I think we've played worse this season. Um, well, I know we've played worse this season, but I thought we did all right in that game. Um, but they... I'm not sure they merited the win. They got it. But just... The whole tempo, the, the second half performance against Inverness was, was excellent. Um, I would say even the first half performance against Hibbs was, was not excellent, but, but pretty good. Um, and the second half performance against Aberdeen. So we know we can do it, but it's the consistency. Hearts have been consistently inconsistent. This season. They've been poorer more often than they've been decent. And we've got Rangers at home, Hibs away, Kelly at home, Aberdeen away, Celtic away prior to a game in the Cup final. So the opportunity is there. The incentive is there. By the way, just just before we we wrap up, um, I've got a question for you. Okay. Um, Hearts between now and the end of the season, say, say they do just okay, right? But ultimately, they they finish below Hibbs. Um, does it matter, do you think, if they win the cup, whether Craig Levine stays or not? Do you, as, in the in the eyes of the Hearts supporters, if the 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 kind of positioning here between finishing the finishing in the league below Hibernian, yet winning the cup, where do you think the majority of Hearts fans? Will be with regards to the future of the manager, if if that happens. Because I will say right now, if that happens, we finish below Hibbs, but we win the cup. For me, it doesn't matter that we finish below Hibs because we've won the cup, and mm-hmm. I'd have yeah. Le- I'd have I'd have Levine staying. But that, that that's that's for me right now, and I'm sure I'll have a different um, thing. If Hearts win the cup, there is no chance, by the way, that he'll lose his job. No, not a hope, unless he decides. You know what? I want Robbo to come in, and I'll go back upstairs. It'll be his doing.
0: Yeah, I and, agree. Yeah.
1: Okay. So for for me, where Hearts finish in the league and what Hearts do between now and the end of the season becomes immaterial if Hearts win the cup and Levine goes nowhere. But I don't know what every other Hearts fan will think about that. First of all, what do you think about that?
0: Undecided. Okay. I don't. I don't think we'll ever be. Bad, like dreadful, under Craig Levine, as in you know, to the point where we're struggling in the wrong end of the table. Um, I know some people will say the football can be dreadful, but I think he'll always have us, have us a reasonably well set up team and win enough points. Um, but my concern is I don't know if we'll ever progress, but I would like him to. I'd like him to prove me wrong, and I think if he wins the cup, part of me thinks well you've earned your right to to prove me and and many others wrong that you can make us a more attractive and progressive team and and obviously build for the future because winning the Cup he would get away with a mid-table finish but I think next season would be telling because that would be two mid-table finishes in a row and I know he didn't start last season but he effectively did he had most of the season Um, so yeah it's a difficult one.
1: Yeah, but I, I think if Hearts win the Cup this year, I think that's their biggest achievement since 1998 because of who they're going to have to beat in the final. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. Gretna, we, we won. We, we should have beaten them anyway, but we, we won. Um, Hibbs in 2012, we'd beaten them all four games prior to that, that season, so we won. Um, I, I, I think... I think it doesn't matter who we've beaten in the road to the final if we beat Celtic, because for me, that's a huge achievement. Well,
0: and they, they just wipe the floor with everyone in every competition at the moment. So to stop the treble-treble, you would hope that there'd be a large a large portion of neutrals would be, um, even quietly hoping, Hearts can pull one off. Maybe I'd ju- I'd, maybe I'd, not I'd so much that. in one, one half of Edinburgh. but
1: I'd, I'd take that, Laurie. Do you know what? what is Hart's best chance of success every season? It's, it's, it's the Scottish Cup. It's, yeah. not, it's not even the League Cup because we've not won that since, um, I think it was Norrie Davidson, uh, 1962 against mm-hmm. Kilmarnock. So, Hart's winning the Cup is what it's all about, ultimately. And listening to Gary Locke and his wonderful interview with Cy Ferry, uh, the podcast and the, the, the video as well, I've just finished that and To see what it meant to Gary as a a Hearts fan and his pals sleeping on the pitch after 98 and what it meant to me as a Hearts fan when I never thought like Gary that our team would, we'd ever see them win a trophy. The Scottish Cup for us is is ultimately the Holy Grail because we're not going to win the league. So this is what we set out to do. And if we're going to finish sixth, but we're going to win the cup, if Craig Levine can find a way to ultimately be a cup manager, do you know what? I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm not going to get silky soccer or silky football, and and, and that's fine. I just – it's – for me, Laurie, it's the whole – this is the whole element of this podcast and what it should be about. It's the whole be careful what you wish for, right? Alan Carbishley, Charlton, 2005-2006. Charlton were punching above their weight, but the fans had become restless. Another mid-table finish in the Premier League. Come on. This is getting boring. We're better than that. No, you're not. You're punching above your weight. You're Charlton Athletic. You might not even deserve to be in the top flight, but you are. And it's the complacency. It's the whole, oh, like we're not doing anything in mid-table. We never win anything. Look at them now and look where, where they, they've been in, in the years to come. Now, Charlton were punching above their weight. This is the, this is the, the, the comparison, yet the difference. Hearts right now are not punching above their weight. However, they are. They are. But there is still that element of be careful what you wish for. Because if Hearts are to win the cup, and it is a big if, because Celtic are very hot favorites, okay? Rangers in 98, Gretna in 06, Hibs in 2012, and Celtic in 2019, if Hearts win. That's four trophies that I never thought we would see one of prior to the cup final in May 98. So I think that's a pretty good return. When you consider, and this is where we need a bit of perspective in here. So we've already had to be careful what you wish for, uh, even although we are punching below our weight with wages and everything like that. Aberdeen fans, Brian Irvin scoring that penalty in a 9-8 shootout win over Celtic in 1990. They've seen their team lift a League Cup against Inverness. They've not seen their team lift a Scottish Cup. Hearts have got a chance to lift their fourth in the space of 21 Mm. years. Aberdeen have not lifted. Aberdeen right now are a better team than Hearts. They're more consistent than Hearts. Yet their fans are in a situation where they find themselves without a success in the thing that means most to them right now, because like Hearts, they ain't going to win the league, the Scottish Cup. They've had some horrible results. They've been beaten by teams that no one should be beaten by in the Scottish Cup. Stenhouse Muir, Queen of the South, in a semi-final. So let's just, let's just call canny here. Firstly, perspective is required. Secondly, be careful what you wish for. All bets are off if we lose the cup final. Then... Free for all. Any any discussion is fair game about the future of the manager, where the club goes from here. But if we win the Cup, for me, and that's just how I want to end, there should be no doubt that Craig Levine's position, like I said last week, which I thought it would be untenable if we lost the Cup semi-final, and I stand by that, if Hearts win the Scottish Cup, Craig Levine's position, there should not be one question about him staying on next season, he should be in the dugout on the first day, beyond any doubt whatsoever. If Hearts win the Scottish Cup,
0: I guess we should probably end now after that very long closing <laughs> statement from Mark. Um, uh, no time for homework, I'm guessing. Have we, <laughs> we run out of time?
1: No, I mean if you want to, if you if you can think of homework. Okay. my, okay. Wa- my wife's already. By the way, my wife's got to work. She's
0: Oh, on, she's gone. I, I'm
1: done. Okay. I can't even get um. I can't <laughs> even get the Juventus Ajax game on the TV. I've been watching Brighton Cardiff. The baby's th- the baby's through there in baby prison. I've got no idea what she's up to. She's left alone. But if you want to dish out homework, feel free.
0: Oh, I'll, we could think of some homework from this. So I don't know if you saw the stats in the week. I'm just going to close with this. Um, Christoph Berra has oh, yeah. won <laughs> more defensive aerial duels. Than any other player in Europe. Um, and this is, not only has he won the highest percentage, but he seems to have actually had the highest volume of of <laughs> winning headers as well, which is incre- incredible since he was out for three months. But 86.9% of aerial duels won by Christoph Berra. Next highest, Harry Maguire, then it's Virgil van Dijk, Mats Hummels, Raphael Varane, just those, then Gerard Piquet, just these average Defender, so
1: you know what that tells me, Laurie. It tells me that t- too too much of the opposition, um, too much time is being spent in our area with the ball.
0: I oh, I, I thought you were going to say that there's a lot of long balls in Scottish football, but even it was impressive as well the fact that um, 233 heresies won in defensive duels, and then you look at Van Dyke, who's who's in, in a league where people will play it direct as well. 153, 93 by Harry Maguire. That is. That is incredible. I mean, say what you want and we know Christoph Berra has struggled with the ball at his feet, even more so since his injury and he's not being quite himself, but that is pretty phenomenal even though you consider he's playing in one of the the, 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 non, the non-top leagues to say the least.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think you're going to get a defender from a top team featuring no. uh, highly, the, higher than, than Christoph Berra, because Virgil van Dijk, how much time is the ball spent in the Liverpool box when they're doing most of the attacking especially at Anfield, but Having brought that up, I assume you now have homework based on that.
0: I'm kind of making this up as I go along. What I was... Sounds like that, yeah. What, well, it sums us <laughs> up, doesn't it? What I was going to suggest is Christoph Berra has a very one very strong attribute, we know, and his aerial ability it is, it is fantastic for Hearts. What Hearts players have had certain attributes? They might not have been a great player over, overall. What certain players had something about them that you just loved whether it was the way they tackled the way they shot the way they won balls in the air Um, one of them, the obvious ones comes to mind is Rudy or the way he hit that ball with his left foot Mm -hmm. always seemed to be able to pick out the bottom corner as well usually just arrowed I've got, I've got one
1: sorry that's a good question it's just if there's um, any
0: players that you thought he wasn't even he might not even that great a player but you just loved the way he, he galloped yeah. in the wing or he threw I've himself got, in a tackle or did something weird when he tried to save the ball something like that
1: you've, you've set this up now. I've got two for you well three Robbie okay. Nielsen's long throw right You always kind of thought you mm-hmm. had an opportunity because we had a big target man. but the, the two that I want to talk about um, briefly just to, to end it are um, <laughs> Dave McPherson reaching thirty yards out, having gone on a maze, and just falling down, looking for contact, running into players to try and get a free- <laughs> he was brilliant. I loved him running forward because it, it was just it was it was like a gazelle. It was <laughs> it, it it wasn't kind of um, beautiful or anything like that. It it, it was a gallop, a gaz- a galloping gazelle. The other one, and this is probably my favorite one. And it'll be for those of a certain vintage as well. You're probably not quite old enough, Laurie. It was what Henry Smith did after he cleared the ball up from a kick from his hands. Not a goal kick, but from a kick out of his hands. He used to puff out his cheeks. (laughs) I don't know why I love that. It was just, it's the most bizarre thing to think about. But I, I love reminiscing about things in the past. And he always, when he kicked the ball out from hand, Henry he would always puff his cheeks out and then if he kicked a good ball upfield to his intended target, he'd kind of go when <sighs> all the air would come out of his cheeks and I, it was magnificent to watch. <laughs> but then he got angry when it was a poor kick and, and, and it was like a <sighs> slower. The air came out of his, his jowls slower when he wasn't happy with himself and he'd shake his head and the perm would flop from one side to the other. Ah, oh, all our yesterdays. What a bizarre hour and ten minutes. That's just
0: <laughs> so get in touch and get in touch and let us know the the things that you remember fondly about players. It's the little attributes, the idiosyncrasies yeah, of it's, your it's, heroes. It's developed a little bit more than yeah than a, a footballing attribute. It Doesn't just have to be a footballing attribute. It could be a footballing attribute, something that a player was very good at, or maybe even it was something they were bad at that you just remembered fondly, or. A little, yeah, the, the little kind of even the ticks they might have put, you know, shown on the pitch <laughs> sometimes, so.
1: something like Listen, that. That's I a that's a really good question. I think you'll get some good responses.
0: If anybody can
1: beat Henry puffing his cheeks out, <laughs> then I'm looking forward to this. Good good homework, sir. I like this. You oh, should do this more often.
0: Oh, maybe. Well, just because you forgot. <laughs> Tweet at around the funnel or email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel uk, and we'll be back next week and hopefully we'll still be in a good mood
1: yeah plus this will really screw you up when it comes to editing because that rubbish bit in the middle when we were talking about the <laughs> cup final kickoff for the Pro 14 when you edit that out people are going to say well, what's he talking about now because we didn't hear that kickoffs yeah. at 6.30 at Celtic Park
0: ok we'll have to leave it in now won't I?
1: no take it out and that will really
0: confuse and by the you. way I'm going to call it Sex Park just for that <laughs>
1: Oh,
0: oh, dear. See you next time.
1: Farewell. Mother hearts. <laughs>